sharing today on soul rest. Father, we thank you for the joy of knowing that we are not alone. As we examine the word of God concerning this topic, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to teach us even more than we can ever understand now. Open our mind. Give us insight. Heal us from within. Give us the answers. Be able to rise up and serve and minister to those who are hurting. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, number one, what is soul rest? Number two, what are the, the causes and enemies of soul rest? Number three, what are the elements of soul rest? In fact, once we talk about soul rest, we automatically imply that there is soul unrest. In Psalm 62, no, Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 11, and Psalm 43, verse 5, David says, My soul, why, why are you disquieted within me? What's the matter with you? Yeah. Psalm 42, you're reading at verse 11. No, 5 and 11, and then Psalm 43, verse 5. No, some of the Hebrew texts, the Psalm 42 and 43 are one. So, yes, 42, verse 5. 42, verse 5. You can read 5 and 6 if, if you are disposed. But Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you downcast? downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him. My Savior and my God. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hmm. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 43, verse 5. 43, verse 5 now. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. You know, writing Bible times is not like the way you get to your PC today and just type away. Every letter had to be scribbled. And for about a thousand years, the Bible was copied by hand. So any verse in the Bible that is repeated is because God wants to flash attention on that passage. Soul unrest and disquiet is not a new phenomenon. Even Jesus had periods when he was distressed. Let's read the passages. Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 to 38. Matthew Chapter 26, mm. verse 36 to 38. It says, when Jesus went with his disciples yes. to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he be began to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is Jesus. Yes, 38. 38. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
Yes. Stay here and keep watch with me. Listen to how Mark describes it. Mark 14. Yes, Mark 14. Let's read from 32 to 34. Mark chapter 14, from verse 32 to 34. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed He began to troubled. be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Now, if Matthew and Mark put it at Gethsemane, John sets it six days before the Passover. Let's read John chapter 12, verse 27. John chapter 12. We are reading at verse 27. John 12:27. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to the... I came to this hour. I, I just want you to see that if you have this quiet and rest in your soul, you are not alone. You are not alone. It is not an extraordinary phenomenon. Now, if that is the case, we quickly need to find out what causes soul unrest? Because it's obvious that when there is no soul rest, it means the soul has no peace. It means there is a disturbance, a war within you. And either your soul is fainting or is wounded, is broken is weak and the inner strength you need to continue doing what you are doing is paralyzed. Because of that, you see, you, you are in a position where you easily give up or because you are so weak and discouraged and frustrated within, you are easily hurt. And you, you, you pass it on to the people around you. At times you lose any desire altogether to seek after God, to continue doing the mission work, or reply emails and you know, source for funds. You, know, you just want to dump everything. So, what causes it? The very first course is that sometimes it is distinctly because God is passing you through a certain period of your life where that school demands that your soul should go through that session. In, in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 7 to 9 the scripture says that Jesus, in the days of his flesh, he prayed with loud cries and tears. And to the one who was able to save him, he was heard not because he was a son. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 to 9. During the days of Jesus, Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Although he was a son. It is wrong to teach that once you are doing God's work with all your heart and you have a passion for God, for souls, you will never suffer. You will not go through trials and tribulation. 
your, your brother, big brother who has just uh, had a surgery will not die. Uh, you know, it is wrong to teach that. It is more scriptural to paint the picture that heaven passes us through certain moments where the training he is giving you demands a certain level of suffering and distress and tribulation to prepare you for the days ahead. Verse 9. And once made perfect, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So those who saw Jesus suffering mocked. He said he trusted in God to deliver him. Let him save him. He saved others. Himself he could not save. And, and that's the tendency. Normally when you are do, working for God and you are passing through very difficult moments, everybody becomes judgmental. And people start pecking at you and uh, you know, offering all types of reasons why. You must be suffering like that. Right from the onset, I want to assure you that it is not always the case. There are some times when unrest in your soul is because God wants your attention. And he can't get it in any other way than through that. And he passes you through that period and afterwards, he brings you out and you, you question him and he does not even give you the answers. Have you noticed it? The book of Job. When, when God came in to answer Job, he never answered him. He told him how great he was as God. Where were you when I created the earth? But he never answered Job. All those questions were left unanswered. Because the sovereignty of God and the democracy of heaven demands that if you have your free will as man, God must also have his free will as God to treat his children the way he wants because he knows what is best for them. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You hit your head against the wall if you want an answer for everything negative thing that happens in your life stretches, stresses you number two cause is anxiety worry and fear anxiety in itself is a clear demonstration of Unbelief in God's ability to look after you and sustain you. We won't read the passage, but Matthew chapter 6, all the way from verse 25 to verse 34, Jesus takes a lot of time to talk to us about anxiety. Sometimes we, we are worried about so many things, and our fears are so unfounded that it's a shame. Because as far as heaven is concerned, God feeds the sparrows without their toiling. God clothes the lilies of the field. And Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 and 30, he says that you are of more value than many sparrows. Not one sparrow falls to this ground without God signing the death warrant. The very hairs of your head are numbered. And we, 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 we have no grounds actually for anxiety and worry. But for some of us, it's a hobby and a pastime. So, even if you are, there is nothing to worry about, we we'll go and find something to worry about. So that you, are, you, know, you can be tense and worried. It's, 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 it is not a sign of spirituality to be always anxious. 
Neither is fear praised by the Bible. Fear of the future, etc. In fact, Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34 verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So, fear of any form is not something you should clutch to and say, well, as for me, the only thing you know, I'm afraid of is the future. What will happen if it is it's not a virtue. And whenever we indulge in it, we grieve God's spirit. You see, when, when the disciples, Jesus said, oh, beware of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. And the disciples say, hey, we know why he's saying that. We did not take any bread. And he said, are you also without understanding? When we fed the 5,000, how many basketfuls did you have left over? And they said, 12. What about the 4,000? They said, seven basketfuls. And Jesus said, why, why, why did you think of bread first? What's your problem? If you are with someone who uses five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 men, women and children not numbered, and 12 baskets are gathered, and he does it the next time, there are 4,000 men, he feeds them with seven loaves of bread and a few fishes, and you gather seven baskets full. If he is saying, beware, of, 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 of the living of scribes and friends. Why does your mind first jump to, oh, we don't have any bread? You know, sometimes we treat God that way. The number of miracles He has done in our lives, we are the last people to worry and fear the things we are fearing. You see, this was His problem with Israel. Because after all the miracles in Egypt, when He brought them out, they caught to the Red Sea. And he said, go back and camp near Pihahiroth. And they saw the Egyptian army coming. And he said, hey, well, are there no graves in Egypt? And then you brought us here to die in the desert. And So, God divided the Red Sea. And Miriam and the women took timbrels. The Lord's my God and I will praise him my father's God and I will exalt him the Lord. Three days after that, <laughs> there was no water. And they came to the waters of Mara. said, hey, you brought us, you, wanted to, you want to kill us with the, the test. There's no drink. And then Moses threw a stick into the water. It became sweet. They drank, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then they went and there was no food. And they said, hey, you this multitude, there's no... And they did it, and did it. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, God said that, these people, they always err in their hearts. Therefore, I swore that they will never enter my rest. There are some people, God swears, you will never enter his rest. Because you, you are just, every day, God does something new to prove to you that He is with you. He, he can carry your problems. And yet, you are a chronic warrior. So because of that, each time, you, you are just all anxiety. And, and, oh, and then He does it again. So, I will bless the Lord for... And then, two days after that, another crisis comes. And then you are like, who, who, he... Yes. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3 verses 10 and 11. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. They shall never. And God swore that they will never enter his rest. It's not automatic. Sometimes we take God, you know, like electricity. Or boils law P1 V1 equals P2 V2. It must work. You see, God is a personality. 
He said, these ten times you have done this. Okay. I swore an oath. You will never enter my rest. And, and you know, some missionaries are chronic warriors. We just have to, to be careful about that. Now, the third area is broken relationships. Broken relationships have a way of causing unrest within us. Because the, the vertical relationship between man and God, is, it, it impacts the horizontal relationship between man and man. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, John puts it very graphically. He says that God, whom you can't see, you say you love. And your brother, whom you can see, you can't stand. Then you are a liar. You see? And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, Dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving them honor as the weaker vessel, because you are joint heirs of eternal life. Lest your prayers should be hindered. It's a Greek word, ek kopto. It means to cut off. Our relationships with one another can cause unrest within us. Because they, they destabilize us much more than we think. Sometimes we feel it is our right not to just get on well with someone. I just don't like him. I don't like his looks. That's all. Nobody can force me. Yes, nobody can force you. But heaven can cut off your prayers. Because of relationship. You see? Because our master taught that we are to love our enemies. We are to pray for those who, who persecute us. And we are to bless those who curse us. And those who despitefully use us. And these are very simple commandments. You see? It is not the theology or the Greek word which is important. It is the obedience that is the issue. Number three, and number four, the fourth cause of unrest in our souls is definitely distraction. A lot of us are so busy serving the Lord that we have no time for the Lord. Call it the spiritual 1040 window. <laughs> you know why? I like memorizing Bible verses. And it is in Luke 10.40. So the 10.40 window. Let's read it. That's the Mary and Martha episode. Luke chapter 10. We are reading at verse 40. But Martha was disturbed by all the preparations that are to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Yes, read to the end, to 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha was serving the Lord. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Honestly, this is not fair. When you get a visitor, you are supposed to entertain the visitor. And Martha was certainly doing what was proper, conventional. But Mary chose a slightly higher ministry. She was ministering to Jesus himself. 
It's so easy to be so passionate about the Uyghurs and the Kazakhs and, you know, until you don't have time for Jesus. Because immediately you get up, you are rushing there and this, and you are doing good things, but they are the enemy of the best. And our so- sometimes we, we justify why we run around because we feel that, you know, if I don't do this, nobody will do it. It won't get done and I have to do it. But a thousand years with the Lord is like one day. And one day is like a thousand years. That's what Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8 says. There are some things which will take you 20 years to do on the field. If you wait on the Lord, they will take you one month. Because the Lord is able to circumvent many of the obstacles on your way. If you ask him to do it. Number five problem of soul unrest is Satan. The devil has a way of rocking us. In Luke chapter 22 verses 31 and 32, Jesus said to Simon, 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 Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Luke 22, 31, 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. So, this is in the inner circle of Jesus Christ. And Satan desired to sift Peter. And Jesus said, I have prayed for you. There are times when the devil has a mandate to shake you, to sift you, to push you. Have you ever come across 1 Thessalonians 2.18? Paul was saying that I wanted to come to Thessalonians, to you Thessalonians, but Satan stopped me. Have you read it before? Yes. It's it's in the scripture. (laughs) So we have a devil who, according to the wisdom of heaven, sometimes has access to pushing us around. And he gives us such unrest that you need prayer. In order not to lose your faith. And Jesus says, when, when you are restored, you come back. Please, strengthen your brothers. And this is, this is one of the reasons why when we gather like this, it's a blessing. Because some people have been shaken like that. And they have come back. And they can strengthen you. They can, they can really strengthen you. The devil, you know has fun doing that. But I also want to mention well the last one on my list that sometimes our soul unrest is because there is a wound. There is an internal wound internal wound as a result of Sin or, you know, a wounded conscience or you are not living right. Isaiah 57 is normally the verse we use to tease one another when somebody is, is, uh, is overworking. Yes, the last verse. It says that Isaiah chapter 57 Mm. verse 21 There is no peace, says my God for the wicked Yes, okay, read read 22 Verse 20 Mm. But the wicked are like the tossing sea Mm. which cannot rest Thank you, I think that's that's what The the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest Whose waves cast up mire and mud So, sometimes we play with sin you know what I mean? We, you, you are joking with a certain sin in your life. 
Shall I put it off? Shall I not put it off? And uh, actually, Lord, you understand. You know my weakness. You know. You understand, Lord. And, uh, and because heaven has put his finger on that sin, you cannot have rest. Because you are a vessel. And he wants to use you. And he knows that as long as that sin is reigning in your life, he can't have all of you. You see? This is why Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, he says that because we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, we should lay aside every sin and weight which easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Now he is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who... Hmm, even though he was sinless, sinners treated him this way. And you have not yet resisted sin unto the shedding of blood. So you haven't finished. And this is why Paul could say in Acts 24, 16, that I, I, I struggle to have a conscience without offense before God and man. Because sin has a way of destabilizing your soul Rests. Acts 24, 16. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Anyway, that brings me to the elements of soul rest. What are the things, what, are, what, what, what things bring soul rest? It is good to examine the scriptures very clearly, whenever we are searching for the answer to some of these problems which have stayed with us for time. I normally like giving my personal testimony, not because I, I, I want to sound spiritual, but because, you know, whenever I find an answer and I know I have found it, I want to tell people that, brothers and sisters, we've got it. One of the challenges I had in my life so, was prayer. So busy. And pastoring in our side of the world, the pastor is everything. You are a teacher, you are a counselor, you are a doctor, you are... You name it. So, the demand on your time and person is it just blows the mind and I used to hide under that and say well Lord you know I, I just can't I, I can't have time to pray you, you know you understand but it's a long story God helped me to get through that and my worst persecutor in life is my wife you know sometimes when, when I finish preaching my wife will say, did you receive this from the Lord? <laughs> and, and, and I used to feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, because I was not sure. You see? But as I struggled and overcame that one, and I was able to handle about four hours praying before entering the pulpit, whenever she asked, I could reply. Now, she too has a weakness. <laughs> Whenever I was praying with her, within five minutes, she would sleep. <laughs> and, you know, my constitution is such that until I prayed for about one hour, I really don't feel I have prayed. I, I'm that dull, you know. I, I don't hear anything. I don't sense anything. I, so I must pray at least an hour before I start heating up. And then I can, okay, okay. So when she sleeps after five minutes, it's like I've lost the case hands down. <laughs> so I stopped praying with her. <laughs> yes, for a long time. But when we went to Mauritania, the ground was like iron. Nothing we did mattered. And all the other missionaries were just a bag of complaints. And the souls 
Even those native indigenous people they said were Christians. They were smoking. They were stealing. They were backsliding. There was nothing to write home about. And each, year, each month, pioneers expected you to send a report. So we had to learn how to pray. It drove us to our knees. I mean, we, nothing worked. So you, sometimes I get up 1 a.m. and lie on my face before the Lord until 6 a.m. because I'm handling a class of four students who are coming for computer training. And I want to share the gospel with them. And I say, oh Lord, please, break through for me. And one good thing it did for us was I discovered that if I allowed my wife to sleep and then 4 a.m. I wake her up, she's able to pray for two hours without a wink. And it transformed our marriage. Now, almost every day, we have to catch up with at least two hours of prayer. And that means we mention everything before the Lord. You know, our timetable from now till December, the people I have to pray for by name and, you know, everything. We bring everything before the Lord. What it does is that we have so rest. Because during the day, if anything happens, well, Lord, that's your case. Yeah. Because there are issues we've prayed over day after day for years. Therefore, if God allows that, well, let the ark of God fall. I won't touch it. You see? And it, it, it has given us a way of facing life which is more relaxed. I identify very much with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer. You see? Prayer. Prayer. Add thanksgiving, of course, but there is something called the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Human beings cannot understand why you are at peace even though you learned the Chinese language for five years and suddenly you and your family are thrown out of China and you are at peace. And they say, what is this? There is a peace of God which passes all understanding. And the Greek word "phrureo" used there, which Uncle John told us about, It's a garrison. It's a military term that God's peace keeps guard over your mind and your heart. Jesus said in John 14, 27 that I am giving you peace which the world cannot give. You see? John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I'm giving you my peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, Thou dost keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Prayer is a number one source for soul rest. You may have a hundred reasons why you shouldn't pray. And I want to advance one thousand reasons why you should pray. I wouldn't spend the time on that. The second thing which brings soul rest is intimacy with God. God himself is the solution to the soul's deepest problems. I love Psalm 62. Read verse 1 and then verse 5. Psalm 62. Uh, Later on, go and look at that psalm. Verse 1. My soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, verse 5. Verse 5. 
Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. You know, whenever I study the scriptures, one of the things that amazes me is the way people before Christ managed to hunger and thirst after God in such a way that they were able to get the attention of heaven. Genesis 5, 21-24 talks about Enoch, that he walked with God for 300 years until God took him away and he disappeared without dying. Can you believe that? Without the blood of Jesus on the cross, somebody walked with God and was taken to heaven alive. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. It says, God spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Isaiah 41, verse 8 calls Abraham the friend of God. God says in Genesis 17, 1, to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless, be perfect. What about Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2? He walked with God until God sent a limousine from heaven to come and take him away. You see, these are human beings like us. Jesus said in John 15 from verse 13 to 15 that no longer do I call you servants, I call you my friends. Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says, God does nothing on this earth without revealing it to his sons, the prophets. In chapter 4 verse 7, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The choice for intimacy with God actually lies on us. God is no respecter of persons, Romans 2.11 says. And, you see, what it does is that it is not that the challenges, problems, trials, difficulties do not come. It is that they come but God is with you in them. You see, look at Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. He was sold as a slave to Egypt. But the Bible says God was with Joseph. Look at the time Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and he was put in prison. Genesis 39, from verse 20 to 22 says, And God was with Joseph in the prison. God went into prison because there is a certain man who has attracted him so that God was living in prison with Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, verse um, 20. 20 to 22. Um, okay, 20b. But, but while okay. Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. It's okay. But I, I just want you to know, Jesus said in John eight twenty nine that my father who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I do always those things that are pleasing to him. In Psalm 16, verses 7 and 8, the scriptures tell us that, you see, in the presence of God is joy, is life, is peace. Therefore, the psalmist says, I have put the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand so that I will not be moved. Psalm 16, 7 and 8, I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Intimacy with God must be cultivated. And if any group of people should do it, it should be the missionary. It should be the missionary because in doing it, there are certain things everybody will worry about, but you will not. In the Pihahirov case I cited in Exodus 14, you see, Moses was with God. And it was God who told Moses to turn the Israelites back to camp near Pihahirov because he wanted to get a victory over the Egyptians. And he told Moses that, look, you go there. And so when the rest of the Israelites were complaining, grumbling, murmuring, Moses knew exactly what God was going to do. And therefore he was at peace. We need to cultivate it. We need to struggle for intimacy with God. You see, 
we need a heart, a soul that tests and pants after God. And, and it, it takes time to build that relationship. But once you get, you know, I, I have a very, okay, the doctor says I shouldn't say that. Uh, but I, I go to wee-wee a lot in the night. <laughs> when I was small, it was a great disadvantage. But when I became a Christian and I saw that I could sleep right through from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. the next day and forget to pray, I told the Lord, if you wake me up to wee-wee, I will spend at least five minutes in prayer before I sleep again. And that saved me. Because from that time, I just wake up to wee-wee and I know that that is the covenant signature between God and myself. <laughs> you see, it is, you can see how I struggle as a human being. It has taken a long time, but now it's no longer a struggle for me. I hunger and thirst to wake up in the night and be before the Lord. <laughs> you see, it, it, it's a joy. Number three, for soul rest is the promises of God. Now, I want to stress this, that I am coming from the angle of someone who has taken a decision never to argue with the Bible. I never argue with the Bible. It's a choice. If the Bible says something, and I'm sure of the text, it's enough for me. Because Jesus Christ believed the Bible and quoted it to Satan and said it is written. And Satan too believed the Bible and quoted it to Jesus that he should jump because it is written. I have no business doubting the Bible. If Jesus believed the Bible and quoted it, Satan believed the Bible and quoted it, I, I, I have no business doubting the Bible. Therefore, I leave the Bible with my soul, my heart, my spirit, my, my, my strength. And the Bible contains promises, according to Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, exceeding great and precious promises, so that by them we should become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. Some of the Bible's promises are just so big that... When I memorize them, I just get up and laugh and, and walk about and I'm so excited because they solve my problems for me. First John chapter 4 verse 4 says that you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. First John chapter 5 verse 4 says anyone born of God overcomes the world. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says that. What shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 37 says, We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. I mean, who loved us. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. He says that, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I could go on. We, we heard Philippians 4, 13. Eh? that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me from within. And the scriptures are full. Galatians, uh, what? Philippians 2.13 He says God is at work in me or in you to will and to do according to his own pleasure. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I could go on the whole day. I use the Bible verses not because I want to preach. Because my soul needs it. Many days before I come out, I have taken at least 50 promises and meditated and rehearsed them in my soul before I come out. So even if we are taking a passport photograph or something and I'm smiling, I'm sitting on a Bible verse before smiling. When I'm preaching, Bible verses come and beg me to use them. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Because in actual fact, those passages, I don't memorize it for you. 
They are verses which minister to me personally. And if nobody will go to heaven, I must go. I must be there. If you are an African and you don't go to heaven, then you are all men most to be pitied. You see? So, these passages, these verses, are for ministering to our souls. Because uh, Romans 15.4 says that by the Bible, these scriptural passages, we are to have hope. And the, 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 the things, these verses, I came to see over time that, look, if a Bible verse is preached and you think it's yours, it's a lie. You need to go back home and process it. Some of these verses, you have to take them and tell yourself 50 times over, 100 times over, in one day, before they become part of you. And it means you can actually be on the field and be struggling to win souls for Jesus. But you yourself, you, you, you have a multitude of challenges and problems and you are not able to handle them. But if you, if you will submit to the promises of God in the Bible, they are able to give you inner strength. Romans 15.4 For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, let me round off with the final uh, element. The, the, the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The more I read the scriptures, the more convinced I am that no missionary can succeed without a close fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 6 says, it's not by power, it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The, it, the implication is so much Romans chapter 5 verse 5 for example says that the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? You see? The love of God, God's love is poured into our hearts by the Spirit of God. Is there a team member you cannot love? Then the problem is yours. It's not from heaven. Because the Holy Spirit pours each day in our, into our hearts heavenly love. To love the unlovable. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12. He says that there are gifts given to us. We cannot know. But the spirit reveals them to us. Talked already about Romans 8, 26 and 27. He says we don't know even how to pray. But when we come to pray. The spirit of God. Is able to help our infirmity. Jesus said in John 16, verse 12 and 13, that I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them. When the Spirit of God is come, He will guide you into all truth. He won't speak of Himself, but what He hears, that's what He will say. And He will show you things to come. Second Corinthians 3, 18 says that the person who is in charge of transforming us day by day into the image of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And He renews us from within. Ephesians 3.16 says, being strengthened with might in the inner man by the Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit much, much more than we think. And a closer walk with Him. You see, instead of doctrinal battles about whether you are a Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical, let's get close. He is a personality. If Jesus says He will teach us all things, then He is not a force. He's a teacher. He's a teacher. And every teacher needs a student's attention in order to get something across. Well, I have to stop here. Not only because my time is up, but because I, I am not, I'm not talking at you. I'm telling you, as a fellow worker, some of the things which have worked for me. And I have been stressed very much. I remember when I lost, we lost our first daughter at the age of six. I, you know, from leukemia. And when I was in the university, my second year, I failed my exams with flying colors. <laughs> Ooh, that was, and so on. I've gone through 
a lot of things. Sometimes I just weep freely because it's like the first pastor, after I left the university, I, I worked with him for 17 years. He was my head pastor. And I invested everything, my whole youth, into his ministry. And then he started committing adultery. And in fact, I, I left that church with empty hands, nothing to show for it. I wept like a baby. You know, my soul has gone through a lot of stresses. You know, sometimes I feel I'm a crybaby because I look at Joseph and I identify so much. But Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. So I said, okay. Loud cries and tears. It's, it's manly to weep. You know, men weep. I want an amen to that. <laughs> so, please, I'm not preaching at you. And I, I, I am excited to meet some of you who are serving in places which, you know, ordinarily, no American will go there. What are you doing there? You see? And it is necessary to take up these resources so that the spiritual warfare front, you can, you can do something and come back home with a trophy. Please be on our feet. going to take the Lord's part and I'll be handing over to uh, Eric but why don't we spend just a minute God's manifest presence this is my presence will go with you and I will give you rest he said come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden Give you rest. Yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Your, your soul is not stressed now. Pledge to get into a closer relationship with God. Spirit of God. We welcome you. Heal every broken heart, every heart that is hurting, soul, wounded spirit. Holy Spirit, just minister to your sons and daughters. Block them. Ah. And anoint them with the oil of heaven. The soldiers on the field. That you touch. And their families. In a way that they can never be the same again. Counter with you. That will them up to newer heights. Of walking with you. Standing with you. And those that are carrying burdens too heavy to bear, you have promised that your grace is sufficient for them. May you pour grace upon their lives. Father, pour grace, pour more grace, pour more grace upon their lives. Yes, give them grace, give them more grace. you minister to them that they will be able to take even more effective spiritual leadership over the regions and areas where they are. Strengthen their arms, Father. Renew and refresh their spirits. May this time of hope be a time when you will touch them in a way they have not known before. Feel clearly to them your purposes that their souls will be freshed. 
This is our prayer. In none other name than the name above every name. The name of Jesus. Amen.